Let's dive into the word tonight and then we'll pray before we leave. But I don't know about you, there's such a leaping in my spirit. I believe this past month, beginning from a time with Dr. Hamby, and then this last few days with Dr. Tony Bakari. It must be the doctorate thing, Dr. Doctor. I mean, this series of meetings have been truly, indeed, an encounter with God. Amen. Amen. They've been awesome. And so tonight, we, we, it's amazing that when we set this time of fast apart, we actually at that time did not know that Pastor Baker will come. We did not know. But it just so happens now that we can see the seamlessness of divine execution. And if God is doing that, we should take courage because he's doing so because he has a purpose and has something in mind for us in Jesus' name. Psalm 34. Let's just get right to it tonight. Begin from verse 1. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, Magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out and the Lord heard him and saved him from all his troubles. And I also believe in my heart tonight that God is going to save us from all of our troubles. In the name of Jesus. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blesses the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Say after me, say, I will not I will not lack any good thing in Jesus' name. Jesus. Say, I have overcome lack in every ramification in Jesus' name. Jesus. Amen. 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 Now, I just want to start tonight by just addressing one little bitty aspect of what Pastor Bakari said to us over the last three days. And that is the issue of the spirit of the fear of God. Now, I've known some things about the fear of God over the years, but it never really came home to me as it did this last week from hearing the message. First of all, this passage here in Psalm 34, we know that it was, it is Recorded as part of the experience of David when he pretended to be mad in the presence of Achish, the king of the Philistines. We can read this context in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 21 and this particular passage from verses 10 through 15. Remember this. David was going from cave to cave, from wilderness to wilderness, running away from who? King Saul. So here he is running away from Saul and he ran into the territory of the Philistines. 
So David, the beloved, is caught between the rock and the hard place. Like many of us doing life. You get one bad news and as, as you are contemplating what to do and how to handle it, bang, something else happens. That does not make the case any better than the news you just received. So you find yourself in between. And the in between, the two ends, sometimes are not promising ends. That's where David found himself. So I want you to understand how David must have felt in the natural, knowing that the person he had served over the years, King Saul, is looking to put his life out. And he runs into the territory of the enemy and he immediately recognized him. Ah, is this not the David that they were singing about? That King Saul killed his thousands and David his ten thousands? And as a result of the fact that his guys was discovered, he feigned or pretended as he was mad. He had to find some way of coping with the situation. His cover was blown, and he said, ah. So he started pretending like he was mad, saliva running out, out of his mouth. And the king said, Do, are you guys kidding? You're going to bring a madman to the palace? Get this guy out of here. Now, that is, that is the scene in the natural. But what I want us to keep in perspective tonight as bad as the things were looking for David, you have to ask yourself, where did he get the strength to see people to say, I will bless the Lord at all times. Not just sometimes. Not the times I get a mail in the mail with $2,000 in it. But even on those days when I get the RIS bill that says I owe back taxes for two years. When I open the mail, I'm still going to do one thing. I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise will continually be in my mind. No matter what the circumstances. No matter what life is throwing at me. No matter what I'm hearing in the hearing of my ears. No matter what I'm seeing in my face. Why could they say that? Let's explore the scriptures a little more. And I'm praying tonight that all of us will leave this place over these next three days with the same resolve that no matter what we see, we will agree with heaven's perspective. Because we need to recognize that God does not see as man seeth. Man looks unto the outer appearance. But God has the inside information about how the end is going to be. So David continues to tell us in Psalm 34. He said, I sought the Lord and he heard me. And he delivered me from all my fears. Ah. I sought the Lord and he heard me. And he delivered me from all of my fears. Now how did he do that? The next verse. I believe verse 5. Is that what it is? Yeah, verse 5. He said, they looked to him and were radiant and their faces were not ashamed. Now, notice what he did. Notice how he changed there. 
In verse 4, he said, I, singular, sought the Lord. In verse 5, he said, they looked to him and were radiant. And their faces were not ashamed. So who is David talking about? We know he talked about himself because I sought the Lord. And he delivered me from all of my fears. I want to submit to you tonight. David not only saw what God did for him, but he looked into aeons of time. And so me and you sitting and saw all of us with all the situations, the hardships, the challenges, the opportunities that we face. And he said to us, they looked to him and their face were radiant. Amen. He's speaking with foreknowledge that you and I, they will come. Just like he, who having sought God and God delivered him from all of his fears. He said, listen, when you get into a jam, don't try to be Mr. Fixer. Don't try to be Mrs. Fixer. You can't fix it. You can't make it right. The only place you do is look to him. Oh, hallelujah. Look at what he says. They looked to him and were radiant. He understood that when you and I began to look up to the hills, from whence cometh our help, he understands that at that particular time, our countenance may not be right. Our dispositions may not be right. We may not look happy. We may be heavy burdened. But as you look up, Something meets your looking up. <laughs> the glory of the Lord God looks down at you. And as you behold him, you see a nodding from him. Say, son, it's going to be all right. He does not have to speak. Yeah. You know how you as parents, your children are in, caught in something and they look at you and you just give them a nod. You smile at them. You give some kind of expression and they immediately know it's going to be all right. They know Daddy's got my back. They know mommy's got my back. David said they looked at him. They didn't look at the Wall Street. They did not look at the bank account. They did not look at the natural circumstance. They looked at him and their face was radiant. And their faces, the Bible says, were not ashamed. The point here is when you and I look to God, you can be rest assured you will not be ashamed because God will bring deliverance to that situation in Jesus' name. Now, let's just dig a little further here. It says, the angel of the Lord, verse 7, encamps on all those who fear him and delivers him. So now, in Isaiah 33, verse 6, the Bible talks about how the fear of the Lord is his treasure. Now that scripture hit me like, I, I don't know how to describe it last Friday. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. Now David is telling you and I that for those who fear God, you can just be rest assured. You are not going to have lack. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. So let's, let's, let's unpack a couple of things. Number one, what is, what is this treasure? What is this treasure? Go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 12. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. I want to know what that is. Because if you are asking me to have the fear of the Lord, I want to know what the result is going to be. 
What does that bring me? What does it do for me? Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 12 says, The Lord will open to you what? His good treasure. What is in this good treasure? The heavens. To give the rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. So what's God's treasure? Simply put, is divine enablement and sufficiency to lend and not borrow. How many people want to be in God's treasure house? <laughs> divine enablement and having sufficiency so you are a lender and not a borrower. That is the treasure that's awaiting those of us who fear God. That's what the Bible says. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. So if I want to participate in divine enablement, having all manners of sufficiency, and being a lender and not a borrower, I need to be very interested in this concept of the fear of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Huge. So then what's the fear of the Lord? What are we talking about when we say the fear of the Lord? Absolutely, we are not talking about the dread of God. No. We are not talking about being afraid of God. No. The fear of the Lord, simply put in scripture, means to honor God. To respect God. That's what the fear of God is. Honor and respect. Reverence for who God is. Now, how do you do that? You honor God, you respect God, you have reverence for God when you pay attention and take heed to his word. There is no such thing as having the fear of God, but I'm careless about what God says. Let me give a good example. A few months ago, I had a couple in my house who are having a serious uh, issue. We met from about 7 p.m. to about 1 o'clock in the morning. Back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Good meaning, well-intending people. Very sincere. They just had issues, like many of us do. So finally, you know, a little after midnight, I looked at the husband and just just challenged him. And I said to him, you can't do this. You can't do what you're about to do. Because if you do it, this is what's going to do. A, B, C, D. Is that what you want for your life? So I challenged him very directly. And at that point, he relented, broke down, and God brought peace into the room. Until this day, God is helping them. Now, what happened in that situation? The honor they have for me as a man of God trumped the issues they were struggling with. Now, when he left my, the room, nothing had changed. It's not as if, okay, all of a sudden they have some kind of guarantee and assurance that they're going to live out and everything. No. But out of reverence, out of respect, out of honor for my position and the role I play in their lives, they say, you know what? We've had a hard time, but we're going to take it to what you said. And by that alone, God honored their commitment. <laughs> 
So that's what David is telling you and I. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. But not only that, from what we read here in Psalm 34, it says, the angel of the Lord encamps around all those who fear him and delivers them. He goes on to say, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you he says. There is no lack to those who fear him. Reverence, respect, honor. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 1 7 that the fear of God is the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs 9 10, the Bible says it is the beginning of wisdom. Now, let me read a little further so you see the outcome of the fear of the Lord in this passage. So in verse 9 again, it says, Oh, fear the Lord, you, you his saints, there's no one to those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Now look at what it says in verse 11. Come, you children, listen to me. I've been there. I've been where you are. I've been there. I've done this. I've done that. I've been in need. I know what it is to feel unprotected, to feel you have a need. I've lived from cave to cave, wilderness to wilderness. Whatever you are going through, I've been there. Come, listen to me. Let me share a few things with you. Now it goes on. Verse 11, last part. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Who is the man who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? In other words, the fear of God, the outcome it brings to my life and your life is good and fulfilling life. End of story. Good and fulfilling life. How many people here want to be part of that? To have a good and fulfilling life? Absolutely. David said, come, let me teach you something. Listen to me. Let me teach you how to get what I'm talking about. Good days. Loves many, many, many days, he says. Good and fulfilling lifetime. Now, in Isaiah chapter 11, we see this also with the Lord Jesus Christ. Isaiah chapter 11. The Bible says, talking about Jesus, he said, uh, Isaiah 11, verse 2. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge, and of the fear of the Lord. Did you hear that? That Jesus in his earthly ministry also had the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Amen? And in verse 3, we are, we are told his delight is in the fear of the Lord. In other words, the Bible just about singles out of all the other blessings that Jesus carried. The Bible singles out this particular entity, this particular spirit, 
the spirit of the fear of the Lord singularly that that was his delight above the rest of the spirits that guided his life and ministry. So are we then surprised that Jesus could in John 17 say, I've finished my course? Are we surprised then in John 19 he can say, it is finished and he hung at the cross without agony, without crying, without begging, without pleading, without fear. He had absolute confidence. He had done what God wanted him to do. He was absolutely confident that because he followed the instruction that was given as it was given, everything was well. That's the same opportunity you and I have. Now, so you're saying to me, how does this connect with no lack? Even though Psalm 34 makes it very clear that those who fear the Lord, they will have no lack. So you may be asking the question, what's the connection? Even though I think enough has been said to see the connection. But you can get it a little clearer. In this passage, David spoke to two dispensations. First, as we read on in Psalm 34, again from that verse 11, come you children, listen to me, I will teach you the fear of the Lord. So first he tells them what the outcome, the result of fear of the Lord will be. Who is the man who desires life? In other words, do you like life? Do you love many days? Do you want to see good in your days? So if you want, if the answer to all of that is yes, 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 then listen, let me teach you the fear of God. Then he begins to tell them verse 13 and 14. Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. That was his message for that dispensation. You guys didn't get it. Four things that they must do if they were to have the fear of God and ultimately to get to the place where they had no lack. Fortunately for you and I, we cannot do enough to get the spirit of God. We are living in a new day where you and I don't have to earn anything but simply enter in to what God has already made available. So you're saying to me, does, does, as you say, Pastor, we, we should not uh, depart from evil and keep our lips from sin. No, that's not what I'm saying. When you understand that your blessing came first, nobody will have to tell you about not speaking evil, about departing from it's automatic. Once you recognize that God has already blessed you, you will guard that blessing with everything you have to make sure you do not... Listen, the reason people are still falling off the, uh, falling off the edge is because they have not fully come to comprehend what God has done for them. That's the truth. That's the truth. When we fully come to comprehend what God has done, the issue of keeping your lips from evil, departing from wickedness, seeking peace, getting away from deceit, all of that would, they would drop off you like, like butter mess on a sunny day. When you recognize what God has done for you. So David here is not telling me and you to have four steps to the fear of God. But it definitely tells us how to attain and walk in what God has already done in the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Now, first let me go to uh, let's look at the exhortation of uh, 
Paul. Uh, Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. No, we are not going to manufacture any new blessings. Colossians chapter 2 verse 9. Look at what Paul says. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him. Say, I am complete. In him. Uh, say like you mean to say, I am complete, I am complete. In, him. in him. The biggest lie of the devil is trying to convince you and I that something is lacking in you, that you lack something, that you are not someone, you are not somebody, that something by some chance is not all done, that you need something else. And it gets a loud platform to say that when you and I, perhaps maybe we need money or you need a healing or you need something physical around you. They will say, did I not tell you? You're not complete. You don't have it all. You don't have what you need. Because if you have a need, you, this bill will be staring you in your face. You have a choice. You can believe what the bill says that can disappear tomorrow or believe the eternal word of God. The Bible simply says you are complete in him. Which means there is no lack. You lack in nothing at all. God completed you in him. If you lack anything, Jesus is lacking. Now, I want you to understand that the enemy has no new trick. Because, as we read in 2 Corinthians, and I need to hurry up a little bit here, in chapter 11, 2 Corinthians 11. In verse 2, it says to the Corinthian church, For I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. For I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. You and I make it harder than it is. He said, listen to me. It is so simple. Why are you guys corrupting what God has put together? Anytime you and I become at variance with what God has said, we are corrupt. Now let me tell you what Paul is saying here. In Genesis 3, I don't have time to go there. The serpent came to Eve and said, Has God said? Has God said? Set him up. Come on, God don't mean what he said. In fact, the reason God don't want you to eat the thing, God does not want you to be like him. Read it, Genesis chapter 3. God is holding out on you. God has some things he does not want you to have. God has not completed you and therefore there are some things that God don't want for you and you see but if you can just do A, B and C 
You get what God is trying to hide from you. So the enemy was trying to get Eve to do in order to become. But the issue is they already were like God because they were created in the image and likeness of God originally. So they didn't have to do anything to be who they were. And that's the same rat race that's upon you and I. We are constantly trying to do something to get what God has already gotten for us. Now, this will shock you, even though this is a time of fast and prayer. Because we think if I can just pray a little harder, I'll be more holy. If I can just fast a little longer, ah, I'll be more anointed. All of those things are lies. Should we not pray? Absolutely you pray. Praying affects you. It gets you in the alignment with God. You hear what God is saying. You have to pray. And fasting disciplines you so that you can be in a position to believe God for what God has already said. But it does not change God's mind towards you. His mind is already set before you are born. The same trick the enemy played on Jesus. If that was the son of God. Command thou that these stones be turned to bread. Do something, my friend. You are hungry. Don't you have a need? You have a lack. Hunger is the name of the lack. Use your power, your anointing. Command these stones to become bread. I pray that God will help us to hear what we are saying. My friends, I don't care how, if you had Obama's job, you cannot walk enough, get a title enough, a position of, to sustain yourself. Stop lying to yourself. Because after you get the position and the pay, whatever the, 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 the contract of that, that says you're going to get paid X million dollars a year, if God takes your breath, what happens to that contract? Can we bury you with the contract? I guess we can, but it won't do no good. We have to come to this conclusion and come to the end of ourselves. That God is the beginning and the end. The author and the finisher. The first and the last and the in-between. So the point tonight is the enemy lies that we are not complete, that we are not who we are, and that our needs will not be met, and that something is lacking. And to believe what the enemy is saying is to become corrupt immediately you believe what the enemy is saying. You are corrupt. You've moved away from the simplicity of the gospel that is Christ. Simple. Simple. Now, let's go further. Second Peter. Second Peter. Second Peter. Second Peter chapter 1. Verse 2. Second Peter 2, no, I'm sorry, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and, to, and of Jesus Christ our Lord. Look at what it says. Has his divine power has given us to us some things. All things. Oh, but I like the way the Bible broke it down. That pertain to life. What I eat, what I drink, what I wear, what I drive, that pertains to life. And godliness. God did not just give us things that pertain to godliness. 
It's settled both cause. That pertains to life, jobs, cars, homes, food, clothing, shoes, whatever, and also godliness. He balanced it out. He has given us all things. So you are telling me that when God said all, maybe he made a mistake, he meant some. He has. Not that he's going to do so. He has already done it. He's done. Say it's a done deal. Say it's a done deal. I have it. Say I have it all. In Jesus name. Amen. He has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. That's our problem. We don't know him. Through the knowledge of him. Not through my influence in the bank. Not through what I have in my head. No. My head knowledge will take me so far and fail me. It will leave you stranded. Stranded! When you, last, when you least expect it. But through him, through the knowledge of him. Are you following what we're saying tonight? He's giving us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now, let's go back now so we know he's given us all things. How do we access these things? How do we access these things? Ah. Again, number one. Well, I'm looking up Psalm 34. Now let me just go back there. Psalm 34 again, very quickly. Psalm 34. Verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Right there. I told you David spoke to two dispensations. Those in his day, he gave them the law. Four things you must do. But thank God, he saw ahead of time. I knew another dispensation was coming. And he said, for this dispensation, under this covenant of grace, it's not what you do, but how you be. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. To trust in God implies to a certain degree you already fear him. Fearing him, remember I told you at the beginning, it means to honor him, to respect him, to have reverence for what he's saying. You understand he carries command and when he says a thing, you latch onto it. No God, I don't know how it's going to happen. I'm not sure which direction. But you know what? You said it. I can take you at your word. I know you don't fail. I know you hasten over your word to perform it. I know your word will never fall down. It will never return unto you void. So even though I lack knowledge, I lack understanding, but one thing I do have, I trust you. Amen. That's it. There is no such thing as fear, having a fear of God and don't believe God. They don't go together. Psalm 34 verse 8. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Such a man 
we have not lack any good thing. None. So practically, in your house when you get that bill, in your situation when you, you are caught between a hard place and between and, and the rock, what do you do? How how do you manifest what we just said? How do you manifest this? God, I trust you. I know, I know. I, I don't understand it. These guys at the, at the Bank of America, they keep on selling me these bills. Uh, they, they, I can call them from now till tomorrow. I, what, do we, what do I do? Can, can I borrow this? So this is the bill. So the bill comes. You go to the mailbox and here is the bill again. They said this bill is due April 28th. Only $7,999. And you don't have it. But God's word says, you lack no good thing. You lack no good thing. That's what it says. This is where me and you blow it. When we get that bill physically in our hands, we don't think of God, poof. God is the last thing we think about. I call about two million for Can I borrow two three thousand dollars? <laughs> I got battle with me. Can I, can I, can I see it for 2000 we, we, we try to fix it. And then when we can't fix it, and our head is to the wall, ah, that's the thing called prayer. Ha! <laughs> we forget what David said. You get the bill. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Amen. Because for David, it was an angel that delivered him. So when you open your mouth and begin to pro- proclaim the greatness of your God and tell your problem how great your God is, angels are disputing your, in your behalf. Amen. Folks, we need to build this consciousness in us through practice. But Zechariah, and I don't have time to go there now, I believe chapter 7, verse 12. Or 8 verse 12. Zerubbabel was building. And the rebels continually harassed them. In fact, let's go there. I think, I think it's before I say it. Thanks, Prof. Let's go to Zechariah. Chapter 4. Zechariah 4. Verse 7. Zechariah 4 7. Look at what <laughs> Zerubbabel was. <laughs> Verse 6. So he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Every challenge that comes to you now is a mountain. You have to open your mouth and proclaim the greatness of your God and then speak to that dog God. Don't speak to God about the mountain. Speak to the mountain about your God. Hallelujah. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain and it shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. So what am I saying to us tonight? Whatever that issue is, that lack, that need. Now, again, we have no lack, but there are 
things that appear to be lacks in our lives. Realities of things that appear to be lack. They are speaking to us as lack. You've got to speak grace, grace to it. He said, but pastor, what sense does that make to get a bill from Bank of America and speak grace, grace? I don't know. And God is not asking you to know. He's just looking for a tool to use so he can bring to pass in your life what has been written. What in the heck does a rod in Moses' hand have to do with stretch the rod over the, over the sea? And the sea parted. Can any scientist please explain that to me in 2016? Why are you trying to understand the things that's not given for you to understand? When God just says, believe me and do what I say. That's our problem. We don't see deliverances because we don't act. Our obedience is the fruit of faith, not the, not the root of it. When you do what God wants you to do, the obedience that follows your action is the fruit of your faith. So what I'm saying is if we have faith, there should be fruit. There should be fruit. You go out from here tonight and start practicing this. And let's see if we don't have testimonies. Let's see if you start speaking grace, grace to your mountains. The mountains in your house. The mountains in your body. The mountains in your business. The mountains in your family. Start speaking grace, grace to it. And let the enemy ridicule you and say, what in the heck are you saying? What does it mean? Tell the enemy, I don't know. But God does. And that's all we need. He has given us all things that pertains to life and godliness. Both. If we believe he's taking us to heaven, we must believe he's taking care of us. Grace, grace. Grace, grace. Can you join me tonight and speak grace, grace to the mountain of the, the things that we want to do in this house? Are you ready to believe God tonight? Every mountain, it shall become a plain. It's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Let's just shout it. On the count of three. I mean, I'm talking about, I'm talking about earthquaking, heavens rending, shout of grace, grace, to declare that we believe the word of God concerning the three hundred thousand dollars that we are looking to eliminate in the name of Jesus. One, two, three. <laughs> One more time. One, two, three. Grace, grace. Not for your household. Every need you have. That you are looking for God to eliminate in the name of Jesus. Remembering that he has given you all things that pertains to life and godliness. Think about that thing right now. And on the count of three, let's shout grace, grace to demolish that mountain of lack before you in the name of Jesus. One, two, are you ready? Three, grace, grace. 
Aleluya. 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 It's not by might, not by power, but by His Spirit. And so, Father God, we thank you. We thank you for this first day of our overcoming lag. We thank you for your word that has come to us so powerfully, so simply. We embrace it. We receive it. We thank you that you are not a man that you should lie. Neither the son of man that you should repent. Have you not said it? Would you not do it? And so, Lord, I thank you that the spirit of the fear of God possesses us in a fresh and new manner. In the name of Jesus, that we will honor your word. We reverence your word. We respect your word. We take you at your word. In the name of Jesus, and we bless your name because, because we trust you, we have no lack. All our lacks are met. In the name of Jesus, every mountain that stands before us, we demolish with the shouts of grace, grace. In the name of Jesus, thank you for your grace that's at work in us. We honor you. We bless you. We praise you because you're a great God. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.